0: Right now, we just to praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that you're in God's house today? Aren't you glad you know what truth is? Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Well, uh, none of this was planned, but uh, Congresswoman, I'm actually starting a new series today called "Courageous," and so many of the themes just kind of interweave with each other. And uh, we're going to be talking throughout the month of May about courageous women and it's kind of uh, built around Mother's Day. And so for each week, we're gonna highlight a courageous woman in the Bible. And so uh, this worked out well today. And I I want us to uh, start today with Esther, uh, the character of Esther. Before I do that, on a Sunday morning in 1841, a 40-year-old mother of seven, sat in a church service, and she had a vision during the service. And in uh, this vision, she saw a slave being beaten to death. And it was from that vision that she went home and she started writing a book that would go on to sell 300,000 copies in its first year and would go on to sell millions uh, since that time. And it has been a history-changing book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. And it awakened our country to the evil of slavery. For the first time, people could read about it and have a firsthand account. And it changed the course of history of our nation. And about 10 years later, she went to meet President Lincoln at the Oval Office. And it said that when he met her, he said, so you're the little lady that started this great war. You see, courage often takes place in unexpected people and unexpected places. But because Harriet Beecher Stowe had courage, we're a much different country today. And I say, Lord, raise up some more Harriet Beecher Stowe's. Can we agree on that today? And I wanna give you a kind of a a definition of of courage, and courage is the place where conviction meets compassion. Courage is the place where conviction meets compassion. You see, courage is great in theory, but it has to come from a place of conviction because we wanna have courage to speak on behalf of other people who don't have a voice, and courage, is acting in the right way, regardless of the consequences. Doing the right thing, regardless of what might personally happen to me. And you know, oftentimes we pray, Lord, I wanna have courage. I wanna be courageous. And you know what God's gonna do? He's gonna put you in a situation where you need courage. And you don't know if you really wanna have courage until God puts you in a situation where you need to be courageous. And so that's a good thing to pray but we have to be ready when we pray that that God is going to put us in some uncomfortable situations where we need to have courage. And the name of God isn't mentioned one time in the book of Esther but it's seen his hand is seen all throughout the book his sovereign plan at work working behind the scenes orchestrating things and and Esther was raised in Persia in the the city of Susa, and what had happened is the, the people of God had been exiled out of Israel and they're into Persia, and the queen of Persia had been dethroned, and they were looking for a new queen, and through the hand of God, she was put into the sort of a beauty contest to become the next queen of Persia, and through a twist of circumstances, she is elevated to that place. But she got there because she had a cousin named Mordecai who adopted her. And when her parents were no longer there, he adopted her and he took care of her. And that is where we are at in Esther chapter 3. It says this it says, After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agagite to the son of Hamathiah and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai, I want you to see this, Mordecai did not bow down to pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress against the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, he would not listen to them. And they told him, and in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew." And when Haman, when Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury, but he dismayed to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they made him known to the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Azarias. And I want to give us three kinds of courage today. Number one is the courage of conviction. We see that Mordecai, who is Esther's cousin, he has this, uh, some type of government role where he is at the king's gate. And the king had elevated this man named Haman to an important place in the government. And when he walked by, he expected everybody to bow down. But Mordecai refused to bow down. Is anybody tired of bowing down? Is anybody tired of bowing down to things? that you don't have to bow to. You see, Mordecai refused to bow because he would probably bow to no one but God. And scholars say that there was probably some type of religious attachment here as to why Haman wanted him to bow down. And the scripture says that he would not bow down because he was a Jew. He was a person in the kingdom of God. And here's what we have to do. We have to have the courage of conviction in this hour not to bow down. There are people that are wanting us to bow down culturally. Hollywood is wanting us to bow down. The educational system is wanting us to bow down. Celebrities are wanting us to bow down. But does anybody in here have it purposed in your heart that you are not gonna bow your heart to the things of the world. I bow my knee to one man and that is Jesus Christ. He refused to bow and this will set in motion a lot of trouble. And Haman doesn't like it when he doesn't bow. Have you noticed that when you don't bow, it gets people angry? And here's the thing, he wasn't just wanting to take Mordecai out. He said, I wanna take out the whole Jewish race. You see, Satan is not just wanting you to bow down. He wants your kids to bow down. He wants this church to bow down. He wants all the churches in America to bow down and he's not going to stop until we do. But I got news for him. We we got some people in Congress who aren't gonna bow. We got some moms and dads that aren't gonna bow. We've got some pastors who have not bowed the knee. Come on, somebody, we need to rise up with determination to say, God, give us the spirit of Mordecai. It says, I will not bow down. Rosa Parks refused to bow down. And one day she said, nah, I'm, not, I'm tired of bowing. And there, there's a great quote I came across this week of her that says, people always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired. But that's not true. I was not tired physically. No, the only tired I was, was tired of giving in. Isn't that good? Anybody tired of giving in? Tired of just bowing down to everything that comes down the pike and we're gonna let you run our lives and we're gonna let you determine our values and we're gonna let you tell us what we can. No, no, now, now's the time with godly fear and reverence to say, I will not bow down. I will not, at some point we have to, Grow tired of bowing and live out our convictions. Amen. And here's what convictions are. They, they come from deep within our conscience. Right. They're made up inside of us and hardwired inside of us, and they can't be extracted. Why? Because they're convictions that God put there. Amen. And here's what I've discovered is that we have peace in our life when we live from our convictions. Okay. And we can say, whatever happens, happens, but I'm not going to bow. And I'm going to live from my convictions. You know, I, I think of the Wesleyan quadrilateral. If you don't know what that is, John Wesley came up with this system of convictions. And by the way, we as Pentecostals, every time we read about John Wesley, we owe him a debt of gratitude because he kind of paved the way for our stream of Christianity. But the, the Wesleyan quadrilateral started with scripture. Everything that determines our values, determines our convictions, goes through Scripture. Amen. The Word of God has a last say, amen? amen. The, the second part of the quadrilateral was tradition. What What is that? There are people who have walked this journey before me who were a lot smarter than me and who studied the Bible, and they came to some conclusions, and, and they, they brought some traditions that we need to be really careful about letting go of. Right. And so that there's a place, a tradition. There, There's some things I do just because the way I was raised. There were some traditions put inside of me, and I trust the people that went ahead of me. Is that all right? Yeah, and the third thing is, is this, is experience. Convictions come from experience. Knowing my weaknesses. Knowing that there's some things some people can do that I can't do because I have a weakness that makes me want to bow that makes me wanna rebel against God. And so maybe some other people have liberties, but I I have, here's a good term, personal convictions that I've already built in my heart. And the last one, last part of the quadrilateral was reason. And that is we look at the way the world works and how it speaks of an awesome, creative God. And we use that and that's all filtered through scripture to give us convictions. Oh God, give us people, who have convictions. Give us church members that have convictions, give us pastors, give us people and leaders that will have convictions so that we've already made the choice not to bow before the choice comes. How many have your mind made up today? I will serve the Lord. Our convictions come from our values and our values give us vision for our purpose. So number one, we wanna have the courage of conviction. Number two, we wanna have the courage of inconvenience. Esther chapter four, some developments happen. And and Mordecai, he tells Esther, he says, hey, you need to wake up, there's this plot going on to kill all the Jewish people in our country and in the kingdom and throughout the world. And, And if you don't get to the king, something bad is gonna happen, verse 10. And Esther spoke and said and commanded him to go back to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. And here's what she's saying. She's saying, Mordecai, this is a big ask. You see, not anyone can just go before the king and say, I need something or uh, can deliver a message that unless he calls you, you can be put to death. And what she's saying in so many words is this, Mordecai, this is an inconvenient ask. We have got to have the courage of inconvenience. You know, courage is almost the need for courage and the situations that call for courage are almost always inconvenient. There's not enough money, there's not enough time, there's not enough resources, you're never smart enough and you never feel adequate enough. But if you're gonna be courageous, you gotta rise above inconvenience. And today, we gotta realize today this, that your destiny is probably going to require you to rise above The courage, and have the courage of inconvenience. You know, we often applaud heroic people and the actions of others, but when God is calling us to do something courageous, I don't know about you, but I have all kinds of excuses for why it won't work and why he should find somebody else. And and that is the great excuse for inconveniences. God, can't you just find somebody else? Or what about this? Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will adopt those children. Somebody else will care for that person. Somebody else will lead that ministry. Somebody else will clean up that mess. But today we need to have the courage that says, God, I'll do it even if it's inconvenient. And and here's what we need to realize today is this, is that the only reason Esther was in the position she was was because Mordecai had the courage of inconvenience. He adopted her when she was left abandoned. The only reason she got to be queen was because someone took her in and raised her and taught her the things of God. And God elevated her to a place of importance. I just wanna take a minute right now and can we thank all of our adopted parents, all of our foster parents. Come on, let's let them know how much we appreciate them and having the courage of inconvenience. Thank you. Thank you. We have so many adopted children, foster children represented in this place, and I'm glad today we've got some heroes in this house who said, I'll rise and I'll have courage in inconvenience. I came across this quote this week that really impacted me. It said, If you had success without suffering, someone did suffer. If you suffer, Without succeeding, someone else will succeed. And oftentimes, we don't see the backstory. We we see the person who accepts the award. We see the person who's elevated. We don't see the people behind them who had the courage of inconvenience, who put them in that position. And thank God for men and women who said yes to the will of God, who says, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do the thankless jobs. I'll do the jobs nobody wants to do because that is the courage of inconvenience. It wasn't convenient for Noah to build an ark. It wasn't convenient for David to go and fight Goliath. And most notably, it wasn't convenient for Jesus to leave heaven and come and die on a cross. But thank God they did. Thank God somebody said yes. So then Esther tells Mordecai, hey, it's not like I can just run in and see the king, this is a big deal. And I want you to see Mordecai's response. Verse 12, he says, that Mordecai, verse 13, told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than any of the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you will, it's so impactful, listen to this. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And this is number three, the courage of calling. The courage of calling. He says, Esther, if you don't act, what you need to know is you might die anyway. And any legacy that you would have. be dead but know this god will raise somebody up so esther you might as well determine i will do it it will be me and and here's what mordecai is saying saying esther god hasn't put you in that place place he hasn't put you in that palace to play dress up and make instagram videos and to have tea and crumpets he's put you in that place for Kingdom Warfare. He has put you in this place for such a time as this. And what he's saying is, Hester, you have a calling on your life. You have a special calling and purpose on your life that goes beyond looking pretty and putting on nice dresses and appearing before the king at the right place at the right time. No, no, God has put you there for a specific reason and that is to save People And I wanna, I wanna tell us today, it, it doesn't matter if you're in Congress, it doesn't matter what job you work, it doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter what the role is, God has put us here for such a time as this. And we need to have the courage of calling to say, God, I'll do it. God, I'll go. None of us are where we're at by accident. God has strategically placed us where we need to be. And a prayer I always pray, and you've heard me pray it from up here, is God, I wanna see the greatest revival our world has ever had, and I wanna be a part of it. Does anybody wanna be a part of what God is doing? Does anybody wanna be a part and make the difference that God is looking for? And I want us to see Esther's response. And Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, verse 15. Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And me and my young women, we're gonna fast too. Let me just stop here. We need to fast and pray like never before. Amen. Amen. Uh, yes. Why? Because we've been put here for such a time as this. We need to, to pray for our country, for our family, yeah. for our fellow believers in Ukraine. Yeah. Come on, somebody, yeah. we, we need to say yes to the call. Yeah. And this, this is what she says, then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther accepted the call of God on her life as he had positioned her to do what he wanted her to do. And here's what often keeps us from saying yes, is fear. What will happen if I say yes? What are the consequences of saying yes? And I wanna tell you, there will be consequences sometimes. But sometimes you just have to say, if I perish, I perish. My life belongs to God. I can go back to the well of Rosa Parks' quotes, she said this, she says, I have learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear, knowing what must be done does away with fear. You know what she's saying? She's saying, when you have conviction, when you have the courage of conviction that this has to be done, This has to be said, this has to be accomplished. Fear gets out of the way because you have the conviction, my determination to see God's will done is greater than my fear. So today we've got to have the mindset that says, if I perish, I perish. Because here's what we need to know today is this, a life lived, outside of conviction and courage, isn't worth living anyway. And I would rather die with courage. I would rather die with conviction. I would rather die having the courage of inconvenience and I can say it was a life worth doing. It was a life worth living than to sit silent and to never use my gifts, to never step out and have courage for what God is calling me to to do and I don't know about anybody else but I'm like Peter and I'm ready to get out of the boat, I'm ready to walk on water, I'm ready to see God do the impossible with some people that will say yes. If you want to say yes, can we stand to our feet today? Can we lift up our hands all over this place? What is God calling you to do? What is God saying to you today? We need to have the courage of convictions. Come on, we need some moms and dads with some convictions. We need some grandparents with some convictions. We need some leaders with convictions. We need some people that will say, I'll do it even if it's inconvenient even if it stretches my schedule, even if it stretches my abilities, even if it stretches my finances, God, you have me. And we need people that will have the conviction of calling. Listen, listen, Christ Tabernacle, God has brought us here for such a time as this. And so we need to go for it in faith. Come on, we need to keep our eyes focused on dream to destiny will come to pass in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's people outside these doors that need our help. We need some people that will say, I'll rise up and volunteer in church ministries. I'll teach that class. I'll pray. I'll go. We need some young people that will say, God, I'll go to the mission field if you call me to the mission field. God, I'll I'll do whatever you want me to do because I feel like there's a call of God in my life. Does anybody feel the call of Jesus on your life today? And so let's let's be like the prophet Isaiah and say, Lord, here am I, send me. Come on, can we say it, Lord, here am I, say it, send me, in Jesus' name. If if you're here today, you've never met the Lord, that's the first calling on your life, and that's the most important calling in your life. If you haven't met Jesus, come up here and we'll pray with you. If you've never taken the step of baptism, that's a calling God has for every believer, and we can take that step today. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit and power, that's how we live out our calling, is being filled with the Holy Spirit and power. Come on, let's flood these altars. If, if you need a touch from God, if you just need somebody to pray with you, have the courage to come to this altar today. If you feel led to pray for somebody, have the courage to go across the church and pray with them. But for the next five minutes, can we just touch God right now? Come on, every hand lifted. Let's sing this and let's